gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 118 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I am your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Again. Again. This time, we are going to talk about the big show, Brendan. Yep. Adepticon. <laughs> Is done, yes? It's done. <laughs> done, over, done. We're done. We made it. Yes, done. we did. Rear mirror, done. <laughs> okay. We have some short commentary in whispers on some of the release stuff that we saw, previews on both Sigmar's side. Brendan's going to give us some thoughts, and then I'm going to give some thoughts on the 40K stuff. And we're going to keep it to that this time. As you said earlier, it's been a while since we've done an event recap. Yeah. Dragonfall. What, six months, you said? Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, crazy stuff, man. But somehow we filled the space. Yeah, it used to be all we did. With entertaining content. It's, it's amazing. Well, we think it's entertaining. Of course we do. <laughs> all right, everybody, moving on to Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Hobby time for you, man. I finished. Yes. I finished the Sylvanus stuff. And Go to my Twitter account, at hobby underscore bear. You can see so my good. part of the Sylvanus. You can see the board Trunzo did. Oh, that's um, insane. You can see the bits and pieces that the rest of our team did. It's not quite an eight-foot red keep from <sighs> the Soulblight lore, but I would argue this year that the board was technically more proficient Mm -hmm. and that it was a better showcase of the armies where last year it was just a like let's do something crazy like it's the first year that we're actually going to do this teams thing let's go all out right and i mean people are going to remember that castle forever yes but i would argue that i think a lot of people are going to remember the tree too because i heard a lot of comments as i was moving around about the tree and for me it was so much more I mean, I love the castle. Visually, it was so impactful. But this just blended colors better. It just seemed to match the theme really nicely. And I don't know. I don't know if the word smooth is right, but it just all looked... It all just fit together. Yes, really nicely. Not that the Soul Blight stuff didn't. No, but even that little secret shrine at the top, it was like, how long did that take? You look and like, what is that? And you look over there, it's a little porthole, you know, with the detail in there, like, wow, so cool. The question that a lot of us got basically all weekend was, wow, how long have you guys been prepping for this? And the answer mm-hmm. was, we started right about the new year, you know, so it's yeah. 10 to 12 weeks of work. You know, Trunzo did the entire board by himself. That's his favorite bit. And using his words that you know it's just like an hour or two every night and you know you just chipped away at it and and got it done and he collected hundreds of pieces of wood from his nearby area (laughs) to try and piece together to you know get it all to look the way that he really wanted to and Mm. you know all of us started from zero in terms of what our armies were right around that same time so it all came together in that window after the new handbook came out when we knew what the points were your dragonfly proxies just looked amazing I never, ever would have thought to use those Necromunda models, Brendan. That was so cool. That looks so good, man. Thank you. Yeah. 
But next up for me is getting the Skaven ready for Rubicon. So yep, you got five weeks about. Thankfully, there's no paint requirement for Rubicon. Yeah. <laughs> so I just about finished building all the models yesterday. I took the day off of work after Adepticon to recover. I built all but I think it's three of the models I need. Okay. So perfect. Technically legal, but you know part of the commitment for Ranthathon was to hobby the army up. Yeah. So can't promise it'll be my nicest looking army, but it'll be done. Okay. Coolio. That's such good stuff. You didn't have to get anything ready for Adepticon from a painting perspective. I did not. So it must be nice. It, it really is, actually. But I did get unit of 20 dryads done. So now my Sylvaneth list is pretty much finished. Whatever I'm going to play at Rubicon is available to me. However, I iterate that list a little bit here and there, picking at the edges. So that was really good. I think they turned out really well. It's primarily just the army painter equivalent speed paint basically, mm-hmm. of contrast. And then I put some, you know, live leaves and other things on there to try to pick it up a little bit. And it turned out the way I was hoping it would. So that was really nice. And then still hobby because stuff we have sitting around is hobby. I hit finally, after all this talk, listeners, you're aware, I finally sold my Soul Blight Army. So the only thing I have is I have my 40 wolves still in case I do some silliness in Night Haunt. And who sure. knows? Why not, right? I didn't have the heart to get, but I have nothing to go with them. So they're just 40 wolves. Yeah. But Soul Blight's gone. And then I had a major culling of Sigmar boxes. And for some people. The miscellaneous category of Sigmar stuff. Yeah. Like. I looked in the closet, and again, for some people, Brendan, ha- that that have like five times this much stuff, I had like 30 boxes that I had never touched or opened or anything else. Crazy ideas that Dan had like, oh, it would be cool to have 36 Screamers on the board. Let's buy some of those. I had like six boxes of freaking Screamers that I never even opened. You know, I had some Slaves to Darkness stuff because I was inspired when we did the book. No, I'm not doing a Slaves Army. I really am not. So I took it out to Noble Knights, and they gave me a very generous offer on all this stuff, and now... It's gone, and that's okay. And I can do something with the money. Like, no, I'm not going to buy other Sigmar models with it. I'm sure we have numerous uses buy for it. Buy more Sylvaneth. Yeah, buy more Sylvaneth. That's kind of it. Yeah, some housekeeping, as it were. Pre-orders, we have really 40K stuff. So we have the Farsight Arcs of Omen book that has been released. Now, again, for those familiar with an older lore series that's built into the game with Wrath of Magnus, for example, there were three or four books on that. We've got, these are kind of based on characters rather than other things. This is like Broken Realms. Right, exactly. The Farsight one is here. We saw a release. We're going to talk about that for the new Loyalist Primark. We got that really cool Chaos guy. Vashtor. Vashtor which he had a book. Uh, So this is the next one. We got six boarding boxes, which is there's Orcs, which is sold out. Tau, which is sold out. There was Grey Knights, Eldari, Drakari, and Necrons. So all those things have small, cool starter box available. Well, the Orcs and Tau are sold out because of the special characters. Yes, exactly. Good thing. So that's really pre-orders. There wasn't a whole lot of anything else. Previews. So, Brandon, what are your thoughts on the stuff that was seen for Sigmar? Very exciting. So, we got a Soulbike Gravelords and Osiric Bone Reapers are the next battle tomes. <laughs> cool, yeah. Kenny Lull asked me to be on his podcast to do a review for Osiric Bone Reapers. Yep. Which, so, you'll hear a review here, and you can hear a review on Kenny's podcast, where I'll say maybe the same things in slightly different ways. <laughs> of course. That was really exciting. The Seraphon models are awesome. Agreed. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And anytime you have dinosaurs riding dinosaurs, you can't go wrong. 
<laughs> yeah, so right, June, July time frame for that realistically. Yeah. Huge range refresh. I'm sure they're gonna be busted. Yeah, just like they are now. That's yeah. good. Classic dinosaurs, yep. OP. The Sigmar stuff, really, really good. Very exciting for um, you. Good. Yeah. One new character for each of the death books. The Soul Blight one is named, the other one is just a generic. Personally, you know, a little bum that the Bone Reapers, you know, didn't get their archers or like chariots or right. you know, like all that other stuff that you really hope. But, you know, hey, look, it's going to get a refresh. They've done a really good job with the 3.0 books for the most part. Kits. And <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's nice because Bone Reapers are my favorite army. Oh, and sure they are. It's one of those things where I do have a lot of optimism for what it's going to be. And that you'll feel motivated to play them in events. I don't think they've missed in kind of like the negative side where Mm -hmm. like it's just not tuned enough. They've overshot on a couple of things, which you can rein in and and that's manageable, right? Just a couple of point changes here or there, right? In terms of things like Gits and KO and it becomes a Mm -hmm. much more different situation. So yeah, that's what I got. I mean... Any Sigmar thoughts for you, Dan, or just, just kind of more of the same? Well, I'm just interested to see, you know, because vampers are still very close to my heart. I still love it. I've talked to the, about them so many times, and I'm really excited to see what's in that book. Sure. So I was really excited to see that they were going to be here. So that's great. I mean, the sooner the better. So that one I'm excited about, obviously. Bone Reapers is your thing, and Seraphon is what it is. I'm happy for all the people who love Seraphon and have Seraphon armies, and for people who want to start them. That's all good stuff. Sure. So, all good news. On the 40K side, I say this with love of my heart to all of my friends who are Dark Angels and lionel johnson fans they could not have picked a worst loyalist primark to bring back i'm just hot take yes i know but why not lehman russ why not the con why not somebody more fitting i guess because you think about the lore of course that's my thing with johnson and if you read the books that he's in and you see what he was like and you realize how he wanted his legion run mm-hmm. it just it's all subterfuge and darkness and lies and untruths and partial truths and he's the one out there it's at one point in the wrath of magnus he calls out the wolves because they had the 13th companies like oh you guys got mutants we're gonna tell on you and i'm going what you have Hello? aliens that work yeah, for you well yeah little aliens and how long have you been lying about half of your legion that broke away you know that <laughs> that fell it made me laugh but again i'm glad we have a loyalist primark it's good i think it'll be interesting to see the size of the model because just like i think it'll be gilman size. size which is funny because we know how big the angron model was we talked about that last Huge. time yeah but one of the things that's interesting about bringing johnson back is he from his early days as a child on Caliban Caliban was a monster killer that was his thing and through the lore he's always been somebody who could walk up to a bloodthirst and basically just beat it on the head right so it'll be interesting to see if there's some interaction between he and Angron or whatever so it's all good stuff you know and I'm happy for 40k people the 10th ed trailer was just fantastic I really thought they did a bang up job I Love the fact that I think it was Tigerius when that librarian teleported in. It, it had to be. Yeah. yeah. It just like, oh, it's so cool because he's like one of my favorite ultramarines. I like the fact that Gilliman was kind of narrating it. That was really cool. And I like the fact that there is literally a sea change now in the lore because what have we really been talking about in the Indominus era? It's all about chaos. 
the Rift, and that, then we had the Necrons were the next threat. And now, literally, all those factions are going to be threatened by the Tyranids. So the Tyranids are the enemy now to everyone. Yep. I think it's a neat change. Happy for Tyranid players, of course, because you know they're going to get some love. But that was really, really cool. And then my last thing was one of the interesting things when I heard them talking about simple but not or simpler but not simple. You know, that was their tagline. They were talking about how to simplify it. What we're going to do is we're going to bring more things onto the data scrolls, onto the data slates, the data cards. We're going to bring weapons profiles. We're going to bring abilities onto the data cards instead of having things spread all over and going. More scroll cards. Excuse me? <coughs> Age of Sigmar? We already do that. And I'm glad. Yeah. I'm happy for the 40K players again that there's something that's kind of melded between the systems I that just hope is that it useful. doesn't become so similar mm. where I could play my Bone Reapers versus your Thousand Suns. Right. It was kind of neat that like Warma Hordes had like these two things that like you could, mm. like you had your War Machine and you had Hordes, but the rules were basically the same where you could play each other. Sure. You know, some things were just called some different items, but I really like that there is some difference oh, between sure. the games, not just Understood. the Understood. But I'm happy that they've made that change because it makes sense. I mean, that's one of the things I've always liked about Sigmar is, well, let's see, this is a unit of Tree Revs. This is what they do, except for those, you know, faction-wide rules. And the thing with that, though, is, like, if you just bought the War Scroll cards and mm -hmm. you bought a bunch of models, you don't even need the book. Right. Right? Like, we're just going to play, you know, with these models, right? And we're going to play this game. It's a totally legitimate way to do it. And, like, yeah, you know, having the extra abilities and stuff justifies the points cost. But, yeah, yeah. look, if you bought, you know, a Vanguard box and I bought a Vanguard box mm -hmm. and we had the cards and we wanted to play our stuff versus, we could versus do that. our stuff, we totally could. Yeah, and you can't do that in a 40K. It's just really, it's very difficult. It's a lot tougher. Yes, it's very difficult. So all good news for 40K. And we'll see how the things go, obviously, as things come out. All right, games played other than Sigmar. I really haven't done anything else. I've been spotting on, you know, Dawn of War, just a few minutes here or there. But I did order a, a historical war game. It, this is, you know, a paper map with square cardboard counters and that whole thing. It's about Constantinople and it's kind of the transition between it you know, connected to Rome and when it was its own empire. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing is that it's a solitaire game where all the barbarians from all the different sides and all the other civilizations are trying to conquer Constantinople. But it seems really fascinating, the mechanics and the historical references and stuff. And I haven't played a war game like that for a long time. So that's really cool. And I'm hoping I there's actually a multiplayer version. So I'm hoping to take that to the next free con I go to. That's been really cool to read through rules like that that are not Games Workshop rules, you know, or yeah. Age of Sigmar rules. Yeah, it's something fundamentally different. Yes. And that was really fun for me. How about you? Anything really? Because you've been busy yeah, it's as just heck. Been, like, it's just been painting, really. Okay, that, that's, sure. It's occupied my time. And, yeah. Yeah. Sure, no, that makes sense. Sorry, boring. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. It happens sometimes. Sigmar Games, I just had one game I wanted to talk about. Nick and I got a second game in with his Slaves to Darkness and my Sylvaneth, and he made one real fundamental change. He brought a unit of 20 Splintered Fang and got rid of some of his other little doobie dobby guys mm -hmm. and it was really interesting because i actually had a shot at winning this game that my i use dryads instead of two units of tree revs i have a unit of tree revs and a unit of 10 dryads and the way i positioned my trees and my dryads he charged me with his cavalry he had the bridge again and this was really a test run for him to fine-tune his list for you know for adepticon. adepticon yeah 
they did exactly what I wanted to do. They died, which is fine. But the way I had everything positioned, he literally couldn't pile in enough to kill any of my tree lords that were right there. And he wasn't close enough for me to do that three-inch thing I had talked about. Of mm-hmm. course, he's a good player. He knows to stay out of the way. He couldn't pile in because of the way the trees were positioned and everything else. And it was really cool to see that that had worked. The problem was, Brendan, is that every single turn for four turns, he won priority. Yeah, that's how it goes sometimes. It, it, it does, right? So that made it very difficult. Plus, you know, he turned Durthu off. Even second turn, you know, he won the turn. He's like, hmm, Dan, what would you do? I go, you know exactly what I do. Don't say, like, don't say that, man. You know I'd give you first turn to turn him back yeah. on, right? His cavalry wasn't a threat to Durthu. And then third turn, I was like, oh, I got Durthu back. Cool. Well, he won the turn, so he dispelled, you know, the turn before he had dispelled the bridge. Then turn three, he put the bridge back again and pulled the two guys out. I killed eight of his cavalry. Oh, and he rallied them back on five. With just the tree lord and Drycha, I had killed eight of his guys, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. And then he moves them to another place. Obviously, he's rallying them. I'm like, I still got this, man. Turn four. Here we go again. So it was like, at points, I was too far behind. But I felt like I played it really well. The only mistake that I had made was for some stupid reason, I had moved my Warsong Rev out of my castle. And I just should not have done that because then he was out of position and that created all kinds of issues. So otherwise, I was really pleased with the way it had played out. Sure. Even though I had lost priority turn one and two, I really think I had had a chance if I had won three or four to come back. It was a good game. Good practice for both of us, I know. All right, events, Spring Rubicon. We've talked about that many times now, end of April. You got your KC open in June. June. Okay. And then I just got a notice from my friend Ike that there's going to be another free con, which is the, you know, Grognard's war game, board game type of convention that I've been to. It's going to be in April, but there's just too much going on. And I know he will probably have another one in June or in the summer. So I'm hoping to go to that sometime. And then it looks like, I mean, I talked to Domus, there's going to be a meltdown redux of some kind in July. I think there's going to probably be, from what I can tell, there's going to be a limited number of people that, you know, he's based on the venue. So we'll see how many people can go, but that would be kind of cool to be able to get back to his place down in Bloomington and roll some dice at a meltdown. Anything else that we know of? I think that's it for a while. Siege World put their dates up for August. Yeah, so we're waiting for NashCon. Those two are traditionally on the exact yes, same weekend. exactly. It's yeah. very frustrating. <laughs> well, um, for me, it's a drive to St. Louis or that area, right? And a drive to Nashville, that's 12 hours versus six for me. And I, that's a pretty easy decision if I'm going to go. Sure. But yeah, so that would be in August. I think that's it then for events. If that's it for events, Brendan, that's it for Whispers. Yep. And we are moving on to Emperor Lies. Man, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Adepticon. Yep. 2023. Yep. Day one, Thursday. Okay. <laughs> yep, that's the day it starts. Yep. <laughs> For every, most everybody, a few people dribble in on Wednesday. You had your first day of the Age of Sigmar GT. Talk to us about your first day as the grand poobah for that event. Oh boy. For those of us who've been listening for at least a year, you'll know that last year we had an issue with the awards at the GT. And so, you know, the commitment that I made to anyone who would listen or, or th- even those that wouldn't, 
was that we would take the feedback that we got, we'd handle it, we'd take it seriously, and we'd look to improve in as many ways as we could. And one of the big questions that we had to answer was, you know, how do we operate in a more transparent way so that people understand that what had happened where we had uh, incorrectly assigned the wrong winner was a mistake and simply just that, a yeah, mistake. right. No malice or anything. It just, it happened. Yeah. And, you know, professionally, right, I wouldn't take someone on their word. I have to see the evidence for it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we needed to do the same. Right. So we had been working with BCP to be the pairing software. And while they couldn't and still can't quite do exactly what Adepticon needs for like all of our different tiebreakers and the things that we do, because <sighs> we have a lot of soft score tiebreakers mm -hmm. and it gets down to kind of a granular level and they'd tell you that they can't do it. They worked with us to get it to a place where, you know, we could use it for as much as we could and that we'd have to take the export and drop it into Excel and do some of that work on the side. Mm -hmm. Cool. Nailed one requirement, right? People were asking for pairing software. Cool done fantastic one of the other asks was more transparency in paint score so sure i ensured first and foremost that the paint rubric was going to be in the pack prior to signups for the convention and i used the framework of my bruce city brawl pack made some changes and did what we had to do it's to, pretty straightforward yeah, really it's pretty straightforward and at bruce city brawl you know there's a cap about halfway through so we removed the cap because we want paint to be a, one of the separating elements of sure. the event. So tiebreakers, yeah. Exactly. So rather than it be out of 100 points, made it out of 50 and basically cut a lot of the points in half and move some things around <laughs> okay. so to really reward the higher end hobbyists for being higher end and designed such that the majority of players are going to land between 25 and 35 points for their hobby score. And the average was like 27 and a half. Perfect. So nailed it. The other bit of that was we had carbon copy paint scores. We would fill out the paint sheet, and normally that just gets turned back to the judge, but you know, we would leave the, the carbon copy at the player station so that mm. they knew what their score was you know, before the event was over. And you know, some people were coming up to us throughout, and they go, hey, you know, I have this and I have that. So we'd send another judge around, you know, to effectively audit that score sheet. And, you know, if they could get credit for something that, sure, that's that we missed, fair. then we gave it to them. Right? Perfect. So, like, that was all done and resolved before all that was going to be over, basically. Mm -hmm. The other bit was years and years and years I've heard, you know, that oh, after five games, there's no real true winner of Adepticon. So one of the things that we offered, you know, by going to Thursday, Friday, because we wanted teams to be the showcase event. And yes. The 40K teams has been the showcase event of 40K for, yeah. for two decades. I said, okay, well, you know, we'll put a knockout tournament on Saturday for those that are really interested in finding out a true, you know, winner, winner, chicken dinner kind of thing right. of the con. So we didn't have a true top eight. You know, there was a number of people that dropped because they wanted to play in teams, which totally cool. I respect that. I wanted to play in teams too. It's why I wasn't going <laughs> on right. Saturday and Sunday. Right. So we had that opportunity for people and we ended up getting two golden tickets this year. Oh, wow. So I got to make the joke of, you know, we're awarding both golden tickets to first and second place overall in tradition with Adepticon's past. Yeah. Because last year, obviously, with the issue that we had, the golden ticket that Games Workshop provided ended up going to the true winner of first place, and then Adepticon ended up paying for effective a second golden ticket for the person that we had incorrectly awarded the ticket. Just for those who aren't quite familiar with golden ticket, what does that do for you if you win that? Yeah, so this is a program run through Games Workshop. So there's a number of events where you can win golden tickets, and most of those tickets basically just get you entry into the World Championships in oh, Atlanta. Neat. So 
Getting an Adepticon Golden Ticket gets you entry into the World Championships in Atlanta, but it also covers your accommodations, and it also covers your travel. <laughs> That's insane. To, right? So these are very valuable. Right. I have some separate thoughts on those kinds of prizes at that level, but right. that's a separate time and a separate day. Yes, of course. So we endeavored to, as much as possible, cover the bases that you know were issues last year. Mm. And they were loud and they were glaring and they were painful and embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So we put a lot of work in to make sure that we got things right. So, you know, as we talk about it, I would say that my feeling overwhelmingly is that we did everything we realistically could have to have addressed those issues. Sure. So Good stuff, man. Great So job. day one, we got started. We ran the events. The biggest issue we had was round one, people were figuring out BCP. <laughs> Turns out a couple people still don't own cell phones. 2023. That's really crazy. Through their own choice. Yeah, it's great. It's- so we had to help, you know, figure out an alternative for them. And we got that resolved and, you know, taught everyone how to put their stuff into the app. Mm-hmm. Day one was pretty smooth. Round one was pairings, and then throughout the rest of the day was just kind of people asking questions about their paint. And some people wanted more points, and some people just wanted to know what they could do to score better in the future. That's wonderful. And that was really great because it allowed our judges to have some really meaningful conversations. And you know, Bryce and Steve Herner are oh. excellent painters. Mm. You know, to sit down with the person and say, like, hey, you like here are the things that, that you got points for that you did well. Here's what the rest of the sheet looks like. Here are the things that you can do to, to score more points and you know, mm-hmm. and these kinds of things when you come next year. A lot of people really appreciated that. They really appreciated the feedback. Really wanted to make sure that people got you know, the points that they had earned, right? Because sometimes these conversions are super subtle. Yes. One of the things I had heard with teams was if you hadn't told me that it was a conversion, I had assumed that that was the model. <laughs> right. So well done. Yeah, sure. Well, right. And cool. That means you did it well, right? If right. it looks like it's supposed to, then... You did good. Right. So we had to do some things like that. But overall, day one was pretty smooth. Perfect. um, Which was good. That's great, man. Yep. So my mundane day, compared to (laughs) to the big game, I did uh, Free Blades again, which is the little skirmish game. And I did the kind of intro activity. The first one, it's like four players. And they always have a preset set of models that you use you know they have predetermined little groups and it's usually like two to three models i wish they would allow you to bring your own models and just fit them into the point total mm-hmm. but that would be a little nicer because i always painted my models and always bring them i'm hoping that i'll be able to use them for something and really the only thing i can use them for is the tournament it was still fun it's got very different mechanics how you remove models is very different than we're used to and just really interesting. It was a lot of fun. And then the second thing I did was kind of a barroom extravaganza. This guy had made a, it was about a four by four tavern, you know, the first floor of a tavern. He had a kitchen and a storeroom and a latrine and tables everywhere and a stage. It was just hilarious. And he had bars in in it, whatever. Everybody brought two figures. Everybody got a team of two. There were eight people playing, so it was pretty busy. Although it wasn't as packed as what we did the next night was the pit, right? There's still a lot of room between figs. And it was really interesting because he was trying very much. This is all homebrew for him, using the free blade rules for Mm -hmm. combat and things like that. The way you won victory points was you did things like if you buy a drink or if you buy food. If you issue a challenge and if you win the challenge so issuing a challenge would be like i want to challenge you to arm wrestling contest you'd walk you'd move your fig to another one and if you issued it you'd get a point and he was giving out poker chips for points and if you win it you get two points then it was just 
interesting how people were getting victory points. And you also got this really interesting card that had a primary and a secondary objective on it. And for me, for example, I had a fire dragon scale and I had to give it away to somebody. I didn't know who it was. Uh, I had a knight and a squire. And so the knight sent the squire over to the bar to order a drink and talk to the bartender, see what he could find out. And he started wandering around the tavern to see who he was supposed to give this to. Well, and this was where the storytelling got really fun and other people had different things that were going on for them. So my squire had a drink and he got inebriated when I rolled the dice, you know, to see if his endurance was whatever. Okay. So he started getting drunk. And then another player came over and challenged him. It was a dwarf player to a drinking contest. And I'm like, oh God, this is not going to go well. Well, this is what's crazy, Brendan. I won the drinking contest, but I passed out. <laughs> and I passed out for like six or seven turns. And there was a dwarf working in the tavern who would take the big barrels and move them around, you know, with the ale in them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, he just picked my squire up and slowly but surely moved him towards the latrine and just threw him in there to threw cool off. Yeah. And when he wakes up, he's like, what am I doing in here? And then I figured out who to give the fire dragon scale to. Well, the minute I gave it to this character, she suddenly started like, she had flamethrower hands and she just started burning patrons and lighting fires in the tavern. And I'm going, well, why didn't I do that? It was weird. So I figured out right away, I needed to kill her because she was just going to burn the place down. And there was an ogre bouncer who was slowly moving over to try to put out the fires and stop her. So my thing was to get to her and get that scale back because whoever else got it was obviously going to start hosing down the place with fire. Just one more thing that was happening is two of the players did a challenge and it was an archery contest. They were supposed to try to hit this wooden pillar that was in the place. Well, one of them hit the pillar. The other one hit a mirror that was next to the pillar and slowly but surely out of the cracks oozed an ale elemental. Okay. (laughs) It was painted the right color and everything. And we're all going, really? We needed this. The place is on fire. You know, there's all this other stuff going on. And so the ale elemental starts attacking people. And the way it attacked them was it got close enough. It would punch them in the mouth. And then it would just start forcing ale into them until they passed out. That was the mechanic. Mm. Just all kinds of crazy stuff like that was happening. So it was pretty entertaining. And then at the end of it, he kind of called it because it could have kept going on and whoever had the most victory points whatever but it was entertaining so that was kind of fun thing and then the last thing i did was a game called aerodome and i guess back in october november when i talked to the young guy who owns the company uh, who created this it had come out on kickstarter i guess and they were doing it here it is a kind of airplane to airplane combat type of deal so x-wing or aeronautica kind of a thing but it's got this really low floor in terms of learning the rules. It's very intuitive, but you can tell it's got a really high ceiling. Okay. And the really fascinating thing was the board was basically about a foot and a half by four feet. It was a neoprene mat, essentially. And you have all these templates for like how far you can move or like the firing arc, you put it on the front of your model or whatever. And we were all looking like, where are the models? Like where are the airplanes and stuff? He goes, it's that token right there. So literally it was a hexagon wooden token looked like it had been laser cut or something that had a little pointer on one side of it. And that was the airplane. Okay. It was simple, but it didn't affect the play at all because the way it worked is you got a deck of cards one to nine. Each card had a specific set of maneuvers. So if you pick number three, you would have to do a barrel roll to the right. You could fire, your gun could fire if you had somebody within range, and then you could turn 
90 degrees to the left and you could shoot again. That was the sequence that was on that card. Every card, you looked at where your opponent was. If you wanted to try to move towards them, of course, you didn't know what they were going to do. There was an Immelman on there so you could move forward and then literally reverse your thing to come the other direction. Okay. Uh, which it was just fascinating. It, so it was really simple to learn the game. But then you realized it's not really that simple because positioning yourself with any of those sets of maneuvers on a card, it's kind of difficult to get yourself in the right spot that when you lay down that firing template, your opponent's inside the arc to get shot at. For damage, you know, you just roll dice and I guess it was a five or six is always what you were looking for. You can make it better with certain things. Uh, you got a pilot card for each set of cards and that pilot had special abilities, very simple. And then you're going like, okay, Dan, what happens if you barrel roll off the board or to the edge of the little mat? You know, well, every point on your hexagon that was off the mat after you finished the maneuver was a point of damage. So you didn't die, but if like th half of your hexagon was off, you took three points of damage. You start with 15. Just fascinating. I got, what, three games in in like an hour and a half? Just boom, boom, boom. And I had never played this game before. Most of the people who were sitting there had not. There were some that had played for a while. Just excellent. An excellent game. So it's called Aerodome. And I would definitely uh, encourage people to look it up. Very simple. And the guy gave me two whole sets of cards and templates to take. Plus the instructions. I'm like, well, this is great. I can play this. If we could play it sometime on Hobby Night, I can teach it to you in 10 minutes, right? Sure. Really cool. Very, very cool. Of that day, that was the highlight. I would give it a five out of five. Very exciting. So that's my day one. Cool. All right. So Brendan, day two. Day two. Of AOS Grand Tournament. Yeah. We only had like five drops overnight. Wow. So that's really good. That was pretty good. Round four was fine. You know, they put the armies up for paint judging. I mean, there's always gorgeous. Oh, there were so, some beautiful, beautiful armies. The level of paint across the whole GT I thought was higher than it was last year. That was really mm -hmm. cool to see. The stuff that made the top cut was great. Mm -hmm. But between round four and round five, there was an issue in BCP where you got basically one point per battle tactic, and suddenly people had like 102 points for battle tactics. Oh, God. I don't know technically what went wrong, but we literally had one of their programmers on site. So you're saying the app changed something? Thing. Yeah. Like, okay. Like between, you know, at, like at the end of round four, something happened. Okay. You know, the the programmers on the phone, you know, with other people from the app, you know, they got it resolved. We were delayed a half hour, but like, look, they got it done. But it got fixed. That's the thing. The problem right. got it, resolved. It okay. got fixed. It was awesome. Right. This is why in the conversations that we had with them, that we really wanted one of their people on site to resolve things because no piece of software is infallible. It's, oh no. It's not. That's <laughs> not the way it works. No. No. It wasn't a major crash, which is great. Oh yeah. You know, Mike was saving backups every single round, which was... Of course, that was very right, smart. Which was perfect. That wouldn't have been an issue we would have been able to have overcome without them. Sure. So that was good. We are really glad to have them. Round five ended. Cool. We went to awards. Yes. We had a bunch of prizes to give away. There was only one... So, Dan, I'll make you guess. Of all of the factions in Age of Sigmar, there was only one army that wasn't played at champs. Do you want to guess which army was not represented at the GT. I'm just trying to think of the art because I walked through and looked at a whole bunch of armies. Brendan, I can't think of... Bone Splitters. There was wow. not a single Bone Splitters player. Jeez. So... <laughs> wow. Yep. Very interesting. Yeah, interesting. but otherwise, every single army was mm -hmm. represented, which was really cool. That was great. One of the things that we did this year was... We allowed people to double up on a number of awards because last year, some of the feedback I got from some players was... 
they felt that they didn't deserve the award that they got because it had split out so far, which is fine. So, you know, I took that feedback and allowed people to, to double up on some stuff because... Sure. You know. Well, and it's a humongous group of people, too. It's right. really, really big. Yeah, so... You had all your book faction winners. There's some people that were thrilled to pieces. They were the best Soulblight player. Sure. The best oh, yeah. player, right? You know, they're the best Fire Slayers player. Yeah. There was just some people that were... As they should be. That's really fun. excited about that. That is so fun. Best paint was close. What was, was the army? The army that won best painted was uh, Oscar Lars's Caradron Overlords. Mm. Oscar is a professional painter. Okay. And, you know, it, it was between him and Martin Orlando, and Martin had painted mm-hmm. his army in 80 days. Right? Like yeah. Some really, really cool looking armies. Our winners ended up really running away with it. Mm-hmm. Our first and second place overall were leagues ahead of everybody else. Okay. Which was really cool. Who won the tournament overall? Which faction? So Disciples of Zinch. So our overall winner was Caleb Walters with his Disciples of Zinch. He's played Zinch forever. He okay. plays Zinch at like every Adepticon. He's got the Christmas Zinch guys. Oh. <laughs> okay. And I have a lot of respect for someone who is going to basically, like, this is their army, and this is the army that they always play, and regardless of, you know, like, what the book is, like, mm-hmm. they're going to tweak and figure out, you know, what works for them. Sure. It's helped that Zinch has been good for a very long time, <laughs> right. a couple of different iterations, right. but, I mean, there have been some moments where it certainly wasn't the army to beat. Mm-hmm. You know, now it lives in that top percentile kind of thing that Games right. Workshop puts out for Metal Watch. Yeah. Okay, very nice. And then Lumineth was second overall, so they got okay. the other golden ticket. Great. I'm very happy for you that it went so much better this year. Yeah. That's really, really great. Our only real goof-em-up was in figuring out the top eight. I had ran overall. I'd forgotten to just run straight battle points. That was a pretty easy fix, you know. Mm-hmm. Did a re-export, double-checked everything, you know, did that. There was a number of drops. I obviously, you know, wasn't TOing the top eight because I was playing on Saturday. So right. the winner of the top eight was a Lumineth Techless Castle list. Okay, of course. So... It's tough to win that many games in a row. Yes, it is. So Really tough. Yes, yeah, so that was the GT. I'm pretty proud of the event that we put on. We made major improvements from last year. As far as I'm concerned, we addressed the things that were... Legitimate. We yeah. addressed the stuff that was problems. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some things that I'd like to tweak and do better. I'd like to continue working with BCP to get their app to do more of what we need mm-hmm. um, for our event to run. Like, if we can do it all in the app, that'd be great. You know, doing the export at the end is, I'll call it a little nerve-wracking, you know, because now you're operating outside of you know, what everyone else can see. Sure. I'd certainly like to be able to put the soft scores in the way that they work, do the tiebreakers the way that we do tiebreakers. I'd love to be able to vote for favorite opponent in the app, vote for your favorite army. In yeah. The I'd love to be able to do that. That'd be great. But yeah, so that was you know, certainly not without incident. Some Still. players caught some warnings. Some people weren't happy about some things, and but that's life. I'm very happy about the event that we put on, and the overwhelming majority of the feedback this year has been positive, which great. is a nice change from some of the issues we had last year. Sure. Day two for you. All right, so I started out with... A kind of it looked like just the components and everything. It was kind of a homebrew BattleTech knockoff, as okay. it were. So it was you know little robots, walking robots fighting on a battlefield, and this was called Deathmatch. And I'm going, okay, it's cool. I looked at the mechanics, which were a little bit different, but interesting. Now, this was the second game I played on the weekend, interestingly enough, which was front to back measuring when you did movement. 
Oh. So you got that extra movement from the base. The thing, though, that made it... Aerodome was like that as well, the game I talked about. But what made it okay is that every single base is the same size, so nobody gets an advantage when they do that. So that's okay. Nobody has this monstrous base, you know, that's going to give them extra three inches of movement or something. Sure. So when I thought about it at first, I'm going, well, this... And then I'm like, okay, I get it. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's uniform, then. Yeah, it's sure. fine. The thing about this game was you shoot your mech and all the mechs were like super deadly. So somebody shot me, my mech died, but it's simultaneous. So I got to shoot back and another guy shot someone and she died, but she got to shoot back. So by the time we finished, there was one mech out of three on the board. Okay. I'm going, okay, fine. And he goes, but we all come back. We all get to pick another mech and come back to the battlefield on a drop. And there were like six drop zones, as it were, where you could put your mech, these little markers. Like, okay, this is, I'm going to pick a different mech, see how it goes. Same thing. The guy who was partially hurt last time, boom, he died right away. And so we ended up, literally, there were no mechs on the board at the end of the second round. I'm going, what is this game? Like, is there a reason? It was just kind of confusing. Because, like, what's the point? You know, if sure. everybody's dying all the time, then there's nothing really happening. You, It's kind of like you reset the score every quarter in a football game. You know, so, hey, it's 32 to 6. Well, now it's nothing to nothing. Oh, oh what? I, and then you could also take, besides mechs, you could take tanks and infantry. So I decided I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to take tanks and infantry. Well, my infantry got blown up by area weapons or something. And my tank actually took out a mech, but... It got taken out by, and it was just like, okay, cool. The nice thing was, and I want to give credit to the guy who was running it for us, he was very enthusiastic, and obviously he knew the rules, and you know he was really into describing how the mechs were and how they printed them up and those kind of things. But it was just kind of like, I just didn't walk away saying to myself, I'd like to do that again. That was really fun. Unfortunately, that was kind of the feeling I took away. I'm sure there are people who play it. They understand it at a different level probably than I do and enjoy it more. Just wasn't for you. No, it was not for me. The next thing I had scheduled was Zombicide at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday. Well, I made the mistake, and I acknowledged that it was my mistake, of leaving the building to go get lunch. Oh, big mistake. A big yeah. mistake. Big mistake. So Dane came back, and he spent 20 or 25 minutes going through every single parking lot near or close to the building. I did not find a parking spot. So big I was mistake. like, you know what? You find your spot at Adepticon, and you leave your car there until... <laughs> you die and you do not if it's after like four or five it's good that's fine because yeah. that works but i just said you know what it's fine if i don't play zombie side today it's okay and i went back to the room and i just read for a couple hours and just you know kind of kicked back and relaxed a little bit it was just like okay i get it and that's Man. fine it's so like when you're running the big events like you get some amount of room comp so mm -hmm. i'm at the hotel yes and my car stayed in the spot mm -hmm. that I parked it in on Wednesday night yeah. until I moved my car on Sunday yeah. to put it in a better spot to load it. Now, in all fairness, it's the only time I had any problem with parking. It was fine otherwise. I got there early enough in the mornings or I found a spot when I got there. If I got there a little later or I always came back for another event if I went out for dinner or something late enough yeah. that there were... Because they had blocked out a significant number of spaces for the employees, which I understand. But it is what it is. It's yeah, fine. Like, if you're going to do the night stuff, like, yeah, there's yeah spots open up. Yeah. So that was supposed to be two to four. So I had a six o'clock scheduled then. Moving on to that, it was called Open Conflict was the gaming system. This was another 
homebrew. You could tell by the way the charts were very, you know, typed out on a typewriter. It was that old, you know, kind of a thing. But it was fine. And the guy who ran it was a really cool guy. And it was basically kind of modern warfare, but it was like off theater warfare. This scenario of it was six CIA operatives were supposed to infiltrate a drug lord's shipping depot where he was sending out drugs and blow up the landing craft he was using to transport the drugs offshore to another ship supposed to blow up a fuel tank supposed to blow up you know different things in this town it was like just this local small village kind of thing and you know he owned the police and he had his own little security force you know just kind of you kind of got understood what was going on and the mechanics of wounding and hitting taking models out was just fascinating because you had to hit first then you had to get past the armor to wound and then you had to roll to see if you injured the person or not right there wasn't a lot of killing unless you rolled pretty good or unless you had a certain kind of weapon or whatever it was and overall it was pretty cool you either took six of us playing and you either took a pair of the operatives so there are three teams of operatives and then or you took there was like eight or ten local militia working for the drug lord guy you were those guys and so i picked to be on that team we kind of preset our guys up on the table they kind of infiltrated in from anywhere they really wanted to and it was a really neat system because he used poker chips and each one of the operative the team of two operatives got three poker chips so there were two dummies there and you couldn't tell if it was the real team or not until they got within six inches of either civilian or six inches of one of our guys so we had to put our guys in it was just really cool and it turned out that at the end he called it a draw because we had killed five out of the six operatives one guy got away and they blew up the landing craft with a bunch of the product on him he blew up one of the fuel tanks but they didn't get like three of their other targets or something like that plus they lost almost the whole team that they had come in i think we had like i don't know seven or eight dead guys whatever it was but it was just really fun it it was simple but you had to make a lot of tactical decisions of where you move people and how you moved and you couldn't move and shoot that was a really interesting thing so you had to decide well am i going to stay behind cover this turn so nobody can shoot me and then I have to come out from cover to shoot you know those Mm. kind of things it was really cool very interesting it's one that I would play again if he sets up again you know for me it was this was happening probably in the mid to late 70s so for me it was something I could identify with personally you know those kind of things sure plus my CIA interaction experiences and stuff I'm like I'm taking the other team yeah (laughs) it was very cool Overall, the day was kind of mixed for me. Obviously, you know, I didn't play one time. I had an event I didn't enjoy very much. But that's part of the thing when you do a lot of stuff, when you do that potpourri kind of thing. You know, you never want to know what you're going to get, especially with systems you never played before. And sure. So you take that chance. Yeah, and it's not like you're playing the basement of Death Space Hulk stuff. Right, right? We're like, right. We're like, you know what that event is, yes. right? Like, or the big Titan game. Like, right. Where everyone's playing in their socks and rolling big foam dice. Like, yes. Like, you know what that is. Yeah. And speaking of that, so this year, as always, Space Hulk fills up. Immediately. Troy and John Space Hulk, boom, it's done. It's finished, right? So I walked up there just to say hello to the guys because you know, I haven't seen them in a long time. And they were saying to me, like, you know what? We had two openings, Dan. Do you have a... I'm like, no, I'm booked. It's like, darn it, I'm booked for another event. They go, well, we have two openings if you want to play. So he said, actually... 
two of our things we had opening. Like people didn't show up. So I'm thinking next year what I'm going to do is, you know, leave a slot open when I know Space Hulk is and just leave my schedule blank and then go up and check and with the guys. like, hey guys. The- uh, do you have any openings? Okay. Whoosh. And get to play Space Hulk again because you know that's just such a blast. Yeah, the game's wild. And they do such a great job of running it. So that was my Friday. Coolio, man. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. So let's move on to day three and your first day of teams. Actually getting to play Warhammer. Yes. For teams, right, one of the first big things that you do is, like, you set up your boards first. Because mm-hmm. they have to go around and do theme judging and spirit judging and, and stuff like that, where the judges come around and ask, how do you design all this stuff? What's the intent behind, you know, the way that your army's put together? You know, what is the theme here? Mm-hmm. Right? For us, we played four Sylvaneth armies. We did the Seasons transition from winter to fall to summer mm-hmm. to spring we had you know a realm gate up top which was a diorama using war master models of like the realm of light and some like luminous stuff quote unquote and it you know it just so happened that as you transitioned up it like the defense of that realm gate is how you would run into the kind of forces in a defensive structure. You have your light skirmishers first, you have cavalry, your your very mobile things that would be next. You have, you know, your kind of basically your center line, your your big tough guys and kernoths. Mm-hmm. And then you have your you know, like the real heavy, the slow stuff, your, your war tree machines. Lords. Yeah. yeah. The, the tree lords are the last thing that's gonna be back there. That's so cool. Um Trunzo designed the board in such a way where when you view it from the side, you get a specific perspective on it. And then when you view it straight on, you also get a different perspective of that board. And that's really cool. There are all these like little tiny things that like he worked into mm. and hid. I don't maybe hid's not the right word, but like placed into the board. So, you know, getting that all set up, you know, walking around, looking at everyone else's boards, that was really cool. Then you get to play your games. And so day one, you play with everybody on your team once. You know, so game one, I'm playing with Butcher. Butcher's got a bunch of spite revs. He's got Dreicha, a unit of 15 with Galatian <laughs> veterans so they can fight in two ranks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of attacks. A lot of, 45 attacks. That's twos, a lot of mortal wounds. Twos and twos. <laughs> Rend one if, you know, if I'm putting Tree Song out there. Yeah. Sixes to hit her mortals. The Wow. Yeah. Nasty. And so in the first game, we played against Gloomspite Gits and Monster Trucks. Okay. Playing some people from Chicago. Their captain, kind of getting into more competitive things. And, and his partner, you know, she was just there to play. You know, they were basically like, hey, like, here are your rules. You got it. You know. Okay. We had a really good game. Just kind of everyone was figuring out, you know, what they did. So we were only able to make it through three battle rounds, you know, just because... Everyone's got so much stuff going on. You're just trying to figure out right. how everything goes. And it was so funny because we were like, oh, man, you guys are going to get the minor win here. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, we get an extra point because we would have tied on the victory points in the game. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute, we get an extra point for this. And they go, oh, my God, you're right. And so we ended up, both of our tables, winning that game. Okay. So we get over to round two. And I'm playing with Trunzo round two, and Trunzo's got the Tree Lords, and we're playing against a Chaos team. You know, everyone on their team had Chaos, and so our opponents were Slaves to Darkness with a unit of six Baron Guard, and a Beast of Chaos player with a unit of six Bulgors. Oh, that's fun. We were playing Realmstone Cash, so the early game was all them, right? You know, they were harrying us from the sides, and we got rid of the Beast of Chaos player real quick, and then we turn our attention on the Slaves of Darkness player, and eventually all he's got are these Varengard. And he kills all my stuff, and so 
Trunzo's, you know, rolling around with his Durthu and his Tree Lord. Well, and he was talking to me about his Durthu, how he had it. It was just tanking so seriously because he had so he's a warrior. Yeah, three yep. plus ethereal. Like, oh god. And instead of the green with Gladius, we gave him the arcane tome. Yes. So that we can lausch on him around the board yep. and and really up his mobility. And then when the Realmstone cache split, it landed in the perfect places for us. It was a spot where we already were, and basically a spot where we had either a tree or a piece of overgrown where we could get to it very easily. Mm-hmm. So that was great. You know, our table ended up winning our game, but the other table ended up losing. Mm-hmm. And on aggregate, we ended up losing 27 to 25. Oh, so, gosh. Tough. Very close. But, you know, we did it. And then round three, I was playing with Andrew, who is our you know, yes. enough player. Yep, yep. And... This is a game where where I probably lost us the game. I got too far over my skis. You know, we were playing against a Cruel Boys and Iron Jaws player. They were a destruction team. Oh yeah. Again. So our pairing was the only pairing on the team where we didn't have any casting to get any charge bonuses or anything like mm-hmm. that. I hadn't thought about the shaman spell that the Cruel Boys have, where it's plus one to charge for them and minus one to charge for us. Mm. So when we teleport through, it becomes a ten inch charge, mm. and that's. A nine re-rolling is tough to do, but it's not impossible. Ten is near impossible statistically. Ten is very, very unlikely to hit. So we ended up out of position. We should have given the first turn. The unit that I should have struck and fade should have been my unit. I should have left the Kurnoths out there. Should have done a lot of things in reverse. And, you know, we ended up losing. But also on the other table, they also ended up losing pretty big. So at best... Right, if we had managed to turn it around on our table, like we could have gotten a, a narrow win. I was two and one on the day, the team was mm. one and two on the day. We had a lot of work to put in to try and turn everything around. So you know, that was good. But yeah, it was really nice to just play. Great, great. It's super stressful. It's a long day. Teams check in starts at like, you know, seven thirty. We didn't finish until 8.30. We had a TO social that right. Games Workshop was putting on. That started at nine. Yeah. So I pack all my stuff up, you know, we get set up for the army showcase. I didn't even get to participate in the army showcase, which is, you know, kind of a bummer, but you know, our team was picked for it, you know, help them get set up. I was like, all right guys, I'll see you later. I run up to the room, I take a quick shower because the last thing I want to do is sit down in a meeting and just be gross for another hour and a half. Like, uh, had that meeting, they told us about, you know, some stuff that's coming and yeah. Got little swag bags or whatever, yeah. and yeah, that was cool, but I would have much preferred to have eaten dinner. God, I was so hungry. The restaurant in the Renaissance is really good, though, Okay, given that that's basically the only place I had dinner. Yeah, right. uh, <laughs> The whole time, yeah. They have one of their desserts. It's a caramel hala French toast. Oh, jeez. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. So that was my day three. All right. So I started my day a little later. I played the Witchborn kind of orientation thing again because, you know, there's some of these games like like Fleet Blades I don't play. You know, so I just want to get the rules down again and kind of get warmed up for another event in the same system later on. So there were four of us and... Played it, went great, was really fun. The young guy, James, he and I kind of spent the day together last year when we were playing because I was the only guy on the orientation thing. And then we had more on the second event and with the pit, you know, with Corey. And I basically had a whole day at Witchborn last year. But James and I were just hanging out and it was like, hey, if you want to take a bathroom break or something, because he was running games. It's like, yeah, I'll watch the stuff, you know. And uh, it was fun to see him back again. So that was fine. Witchborn's a really cool system. It's not easy to kill stuff and just the adjustments and the stats and the way things work we'll talk about that more when we talk about the pit 
later on. I just think it's a really sound game, and I love meeting again with Corey, who's the guy who owns the company and who created the system. It's really, really neat to see how creative and different this whole thing is in the way it plays. I had that, and then I had a second event, which was Sail Power. So this was Age of Sail kind of stuff. It was run by the same people who ran Tech Commander, that mech thing before. Okay. Um, Boy, I hope this went better for you. The models were amazing. So basically what it was, was you had a ship, which was, if you can imagine a sailing ship, Brendan, cut it off like a foot underneath the top deck. Okay. That's what you saw. So you saw all the cannons on the top deck, some crew, and it had masts without any sails on them. It was very representative, you know, what you'd see above the water kind of stuff for the most part. And there were eight people around the table when we started. It took a while for us to actually get engaged because there were all kinds of other little things that were happening or things that had to happen. The exact opposite of your tech uh, commander. Right. Where everything's happening. Just died all at once, right? So we started getting close enough that we could shoot at each other and have some combat. And the combat was interesting it's not what i expected but it also like wasn't very satisfying like you had eight people who shot at each other and essentially almost nothing happened and you're going okay this and again this is like the opposite of what had happened before and i'm going okay cool you know i'm always trying to stay open-minded and you know people put in a lot of effort to put these games together and create these games and i respect that part yeah, of tell it. me about it right <laughs> no but i mean this obviously is these people make these models and you know they sold them there were there was a whole booth they had yeah they're trying to demo their life and, and so i again i have a lot of respect for that but it just wasn't a very satisfying game and i ended up just saying hey guys i got another obligation i'm gonna move on so again it's fine. You try stuff, doesn't work out, yeah, you pull out. It's fine. You're allowed to do that. So then one of the two highlights of my weekend was at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. I played Witchborn the Pit with... You love this event last year. Oh, Dave Nordstrom and Doug Griggs. They were the two guys sitting across the table. Corey was running it. Man, and they'll share their own thoughts on this. I just had a blast playing with this with the two of them. And it's so cool the way Corey has this set up because he basically, it's telling a story. You know, he has a tablet and this is what's happening. He's, he describes the scene and all of a sudden he'll say, okay, so your elf here, your elf, whatever it is, moves over to the bar. And he's kind of reading, but also describing what's happening. And then an event happens of some kind. It could be anything. It doesn't really matter what it is. (laughs) One of the first things that happened was Dave was at the bar with one of his dwarves and the bartender talked to him and he goes hey you know there's these guys over in this next town or whatever it was and i was wondering if you would mind going on a expedition with me you know maybe checking out what whatever it is and so dave's like yeah sure so all of us and the whole point of this thing is it's last man standing mm-hmm. and each one of us started with a group of four figures a group of four people on our team and so all of a sudden one of his they just disappeared from the board he's going like what just happened? Like, I lost a quarter of my team. It <laughs> just walked off. And another time, and it happens every year with my elves. One of them shot themselves with their bow and arrow. Last year, it was they shot one of their teammates with the bow and arrow. Another one of them, like, slashed himself with his sword. And <laughs> just like, what? This you, is you so need to stupid. You buy you guys some PPE is what, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, right? It was just so funny. And Doug had stuff happen to his orcs. And... It, 
it was just so much fun. And as always, little Bill is the bouncer. He's an Oni bouncer, right? Giant thing, you know, ogre size. And little Bill is not very smart, but if you start messing up the bar, he gets really angry because that's where he works, you know? It's his job to keep people from breaking stuff. And so I ended up close to him because you kind of move wherever Corey tells you to move as the story's unraveling. Well, just as I got close to little Bill was when the fighting started. And I'm going... Oh, God, I'm screwed again. I'm just telling you right now. So little Bill comes over and he just pounds on me until I'm just laying flat on the ground. I'm unconscious. And he's got this thing where he's always hungry. So if there's one of the adventurers that's on the ground, little Bill just starts gnawing on you. And if he gnaws on you for six turns, you're gone. Like your figure's gone, right? So turn one, he's gnawing on me. And the two of them are just laughing like, oh my gosh, he's eating Dan. You know, <laughs> It was just crazy. And you roll the dice every turn to see if he just all of a sudden forgets what he's doing. So for like three turns, he's gnawing on me. And then the fourth turn, he just was like, what? What? And he turns around. I'm like, I'm already gone. You know, I'm unconscious and out of the game. So I pull my figure before he ate the whole thing. What was another thing? Oh, one of us moved over to the latrine, you know, to lose the latrine as part of the story and open the door. And there's like a halfling there doing his business. And he's like, well, this is inappropriate. And he's like, okay. So I'm, he pulls up his pants without you know, taking care of stuff. And he's like, hey, you want to hang out? <laughs> like, <laughs> no. But then everybody's going, you could have another person in your party. You could have it a halfling, right? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Not doing this. Uh, it, it's just that kind of thing. And there's these dice rolls called oops. And he's got the app on his phone. Whenever an oops happens, that's what goes on, right? Dave's guys got so drunk. And these are dwarves and they got drunk. So they must have had a lot to drink, right? <sighs> it was so much fun. Doug ended up being last man standing. One of my elves and he were just, one of his orcs were just pounding on each other. And of course, I broke my weapon. Ugh. Against an orc with a two-handed sword, that didn't work out too well in the end. It was just so good. Such a great time with my friends. I think we finished after about an hour and a half because normally it takes a lot longer to get to the point in the story where you get to the combat and people start fighting. But in this case, it started pretty quick. But just such a great time. And it was a great time with friends this year, which was really, really cool. And a great way to end the day, which was overall a good day. Nice. That was my day three. Yeah. All right. So day four for you is day two of teams. Day two of teams. So the goal is to have the winning record. In my mind, right, when you're in a team's event, having an individual winning record means nothing. Sure. It's a team's event, right? Right. We draw Slaves of Darkness team round four. And so in rounds four and five, the captains do the pairings of who the opposing captain. So the captains play each other, and they pick who the opposing captain is going to play with. Well, the opposing captain had Balakor. Oh, and so in my head, I'm going, he's 100% going to pick Trunzo to play with me. And he's turn gonna, off Durthu. He's going to try and turn off Durthu. Oh, man. I was like, okay, cool. I hate that. And so I looked at their list and I went, you know, one of their other lists was a host of the ever chosen list that had some knights and a block of 10 chosen. I was okay. like, okay. There's a Kabbalist list. And I was like, we can't deal with that on our, like, and Bellacor. We can't do that. No. And they had a Knights of the Empty Throne, which included a unit of six Varengard. And I went, they're going to pull Durthu to play with me. I said, well, we can probably handle that host list. Okay. I don't think with too much issue. Like, yeah, there's Slanesh chosen, but All right. we, like, we can get him. Okay. So, you know, the pairing that I gave Butcher and Andrew was the Varengard and the Cabalist list. And, you know, I was like, okay, well... You know, we've got a brick of six size with Ren 3. Like, if they can mm-hmm. get into the Varengard, they'll give them the business. Okay. Cool. So, you know, I put that thought to the side. And so, 
They're two one drops, so they opt to play us. They make us go first, and I go, cool. I shoot my spite riders up. Mm-hmm. I blow up their screens, right? You know, strike and fade. The egg has been cracked. And so this is the um, prize of Galay, mm-hmm. prize oh, of yeah. Gallet, whichever version yeah. of that you want to do. So they turn on the middle objective. Mm-hmm. We go score that. And they go, cool. We're going to go gaining momentum. We're going to take the uh, the middle objective. We're going to kill the branch witch that you put on it. Okay. Bellicor, you know, runs his way out there, fails the charge to go get the branch witch. Cool, man. Okay. Yeah. He's like, well, we control the objective. Ooh, no, sorry. That branch witch is worth 10. Because oh, she's got oh, yeah. oh, awesome. And so, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we win priority. We look at it and we're like, okay, well, we probably want to take the turn. Don't want to be in a situation where they can potentially double up on Durthu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he's like, all right, well, you know, round two, we're going to curse Durthu. And we're like, okay, that's fine. You know, Durthu is on the side facing off against the 10 chosen. So we spend uh-huh. the entire rest of the game. The entire rest of the game, baiting the Chosen backwards, like into the back corner, chasing Durthu, because the Chosen are going to kill Durthu, and they're screened off by a bunch of, like, the warband kind of guy. Were you, like, moving him, like, with... No. What were you moving him with? We were just, like, movement and redeploys. Like, just... Were you running him at all? No. Wow. And they didn't catch him? They eventually did catch him, but they were so far out of position that they were, you know... Right, think about that. That's a 500-point unit. Oh, it's insane. With another 200-plus points in screen, plus a Chaos Sorcerer Lord. They had nearly 1,000 points committed to... A 300-point model, essentially. To Durthu. Yeah. Cool. Like, we played the rest of the game where Trunzo had sent his tree lord and had managed to charge the knights. So the knights were pinned down in place fighting, you know, Perfect. fighting a tree lord. That they couldn't pile into. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, oh, gosh, yes. I know that. And, yeah, and so, so cool. the tree lord's there just taking punches and stuff like that. All the while, my spite riders are coming out and hitting stuff. And the, the war song is blowing up things through the trees and just, mm-hmm. and just doing damage and doing damage and doing damage. When we get to the end of it, we're like, all right, cool. Now, did you have dwellers below? What was the thing that the war song had that could... The war song spell. Okay, yeah. 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 Boom. Five ups, yeah. Yeah. Get wrecked. You know, I'm casting through the tree, right? I've got Spellsinger. And I just rolled eight dice, yeah. I, I rolled uh, a 13 here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's a bucket of dice. And we're going to do it for this unit and that unit. Sure. And so we ended up winning on our table. And as we finished up, you know, I look over to the other table to see, you know, how Butcher and Andrew were doing. And their two opponents are just shell-shocked because I see, like, no Slaves to Darkness models on the table. Oh and my. I see all of their stuff just right in the middle of the board. Oh, I'm like, dude. Butcher's intent, and I lean back, and I look at Andrew, and he goes, thumbs up. Like, you know, the, oh, um, that's great. I was like, oh, okay. Cool. Um, so Too we cool. won round four by country mile. Mm-hmm. Cool. We're two and two. Just got to win this last round. We'll go get it. So we get paired into a team, and you know, one of the first things that we see is a, a Slaves of Darkness army, and we're all just like, again? Yeah. More Slaves of Darkness? They were Stormcast, Slaves of the Darkness, Soulblight, Gravelords, and Corn. So we were like, okay, thank goodness it's not a, another right. Slaves of Darkness team. Right. And the first, that round four, we were doing the pairings. Like, I could tell, like, that their captain wanted to, like, be very strategic about the pairings. And I get to the table, and the one guy's like, I hear one of their guys go, he goes, I want to play Butcher. And, and so I turned to their captain, and I was like, instead of, like, really trying to pair this, it's round five. We're on, like, table 16 here, you know, which is really, like, table eight, you know, because, okay. you know, the, it's two tables per. You know, like, we're on 15 and 16 here. We're probably not winning this tournament. Do you guys just want to, like, decide who wants to play who? Is like As people. Yeah. Do you guys have anybody that you want to play with? 
like, you know, is there, and we worked it out and, you know, cause I guess a bunch of them are from the area that Butcher and Andrew are from. Okay, sure. And so, you know, some of them wanted to play Mike and okay, we set that up and we just started playing. So my particular pairing was a Soul Black Grave Lords list that had a lot of wolves. Mm-hmm. You'd have felt very at home, Dan. Oh, great. And <laughs> he was paired with a Corn Mortals list. Oh, okay. Bad news, though, for that particular pairing was a lot of the corn stuff was actively working against the Soul Blight player. Oh. Yeah, the, it was forcing re-rolls on the wizard because the wizard oh, was be- in range of oh. the banner. Um, you know, when there was a miscast, it was D6 mortal wounds. Oh. And there were just all these things that were working against, like, that particular bit of synergy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm playing with Butcher and all this spice, you know. So, like, game one, you know, Butcher and I were playing together, and everyone's just kind of figuring things out. Over the following games, Butcher had really figured his army out and mm. what he needed to do and where it needed to be. And the spites I learned in game three, or the... Uh, my bugs in game three really don't like things that have rend and damage, but if they have no rend and damage one, well, I can handle that. Sure. So I actually sent the bugs out and didn't strike and fade with them. I let them be the anvil that we broke, you know, the whole army oh, on. Really? So Dreitcha and the unit of 15 spites were the ones that were cleaning up all around the, the bugs. <laughs> the revenant seekers are, you know, bringing bugs back and I'm retreating them out and then I'm rallying them and then I'm bringing them back in. One of Butcher's Wizards has a spell to bring another bug back and so like they're sitting there just pulling their hair out because they man these units are really good. I go I know I said these 10 models are 960 points. Yeah this unit of 6 is 500 points. Right. Yeah, they're good, and and I'm paying for it. Right, and especially in a thousand-point tournament. They're pulling their hair out. They don't know how to deal with this unit. And while all that is happening, these 15 spites are closing the door on the one side, and Dreitch is coming through and using her 20 shooting attacks. And oh, yeah. One of his units charged in, and, you know, it's one of the Mighty Lords of Corn on foot is six wounds, and there's mm. seven wounds or something like that, and... He charges in, and we unleash hell, and we almost get him. And I'm like, oh. I figured for sure he was charging this guy in to pile into my war song to try and insta-kill him on a five-up with the Realm Splitter Axe. But sure. you know, he didn't do that, but we managed to do like five mortal wounds on okay. Unleash Hell from Dreitcha. And that game five, the MVPs were the Spite Rider Lancers being the anchor points and the 15 and Dreitcha just going out there and yeah. you know just hitting you in the mouth. That's just not how Sylvaneth played like at all. But we had managed to keep them from scoring any battle tactic all game. Wow. We shut them out of their grand strategies. We shut them out of their battle tactics. Butcher and I played a supremely expert game in terms of getting that win. Oh. On the other table, Trenzo and Andrew, you know, they got their win. So we ended up as a team finishing three and two. I ended up individually finishing four and one. Wow. We ended up winning best order and best structural display board. So we had to pick. Team voted for best structural display board. So that's the medal that we came away with. And then we also won the best showcase army for Age of Sigmar, as voted on by Adepticon, the convention. That's really Um, cool. That's a really big deal. The group of hobbyists that I grew up around and with, Adepticon Mm -hmm. was a big deal for them. Winning that showcase award was a big deal for them. And I run into them every year. They're 15 plus 20 years older than I am. And it's the same group of them that that still play together. Their stuff is in the showcase. Last year, our stuff was right next to theirs. Like That to me was so cool that those people that had such a huge influence, the way that I play in the game, the way that like I hobby, I get to participate and share in that Mm. thing that was super important to them. So like, this is one of those awards to me that's, yeah, I didn't make the board, but you know, I got everyone's list, right? Mm -hmm. I did my stuff, right? I worked my butt off to get to the level of 
You know, Butcher's a silver demon winning painter. Oh, sure. He can paint. He can convert. Andrew went to, you know, school for art. Mm. You know, Trunzo is the hobbyist that right. he is, right? So yeah. it is just really cool, you know, for me. And, and it's an award that meant a ton that we were able to win that because it's no single person, right, who, now, unless that one person built the board and painted all the armies, right? It, it is. Right, right. But that's not how it's supposed to be, right? You know, like it's, right. it's supposed to be a team effort. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Ec- that was our day four. Excellent. The final standings haven't come out. I'm really looking forward to see where we finished. Cause and how many teams were there total? 50. Round 50. 50-ish, okay. yeah. Seeing where we finished is a big deal for me. Theme and paint and all that ends up being a, a big scoring part of it. So having finished 3-2, and two, having gotten as many points as we did for gaming, mm. I think we probably finished pretty well. I'm really looking forward to see where the final placement was. Perfect. That's great, man. Yeah. Congratulations. I mean, you were a T.O., yeah, wow, that was really cool. So Youngbloods was Sunday, an all-day thing. We had three rounds, and Doug Griggs, our friend from 2 Plus Tough, was helping me out with it, and he was invaluable in helping make this thing a success. We ended up with eight players signed up and eight showing up, which was awesome. We had the age range was 10 to 16, and which was really cool to see the spread. We had seven different armies among the eight players, which was cool. We had an Ideneth army with a turtle. We had Maw tribes with a Frost Lord on a stone horn. We had a Daughter's army with a cauldron. We had a Sylvaneth army with Drycha. Had two Stormcast armies. One was a dragon army. Had a a draconis knight and two dragons and other stuff mm-hmm. and then the one young guy had this really interesting mix of all kinds of he has liberators he had longbows he had draconith he had just all kinds of stuff and then there was a nurgle army which was essentially two bricks of plague bears and five blight kings so that was very different. And then we had a Lumineth army. That was Ellis, who played yep. with me last year. And he brought a very different army. The thing is, he never takes Sentinels, which is so fun. You never see that. And so we had two units of Dawnbreakers, the cavalry guy. The Dawn Riders. Dawn yeah. Riders, yeah. And he had the empty suit of armor. Oh, Therian. A, a yep. Therian and a unit of five sword the blade guys. Boys. He had ten Wardens. He had a Cathalar and one other hero, I think it was. Really, really cool mix. The mix of people, just the ages and, you know, having a really cool mix of guys and gals that participated. It was just something you don't see a whole lot, and it was really fun. Yeah. You had two sisters playing? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Marina and uh, Luciana, which was really cool. We started off... Again, everybody was pretty much on time. They brought everything they needed. There were just a lot of things going on during the day that were really fun to watch or really interesting. So like when we started out, I realized how important it was to have that second person because this tournament with a bunch of young people, you just have to constantly look at what's going on in the tables. So Doug and I were just constantly roving up and down, even though it was only four tables. They had questions and they just wouldn't ask unless you were standing there. And so answering a lot of questions, just making some suggestions did you remember to do that? Did you remember to do this? And just getting that those relationships with the kids who didn't know us from anything right. when they got there, right away you st- they started feeling comfortable with us and more comfortable with their opponents. Because I think a lot of these kids, if not all of them, have never played in a tournament setting before. So that was really cool. It was really neat, too, to see the kids start kind of warming up to each other. Oh, what did you bring? That's so cool. What is that? You know, they would have like real conversations with another kid. Mm-hmm. And they were really 
enjoying that interaction, which was really fun. Another thing, Brent, that was really cool during the day was just observing the difference between them playing game one and game three and how much more comfortable they were with understanding the rules and understanding the game, being more confident to do just silly things like a Luciana like she was really kind of holding back game with her Sylvaneth list game one and two game three I'm looking she like charged her whole army just into the other army I'm like whoa is that aggressive that's so cool she just felt comfortable just going all out it was really really fun to see these young people just enjoying playing the game and being so comfortable in that space with other young people who were enjoying it painting was really interesting they're just starting out as painters. Some of them did a really nice job. Some needed some work. We tried to give them a little bit of feedback as we were doing paint scores and stuff. One of the young guys holding at his Ideneth army actually won the paint, and it was because of his turtle. That Leviathan, there was so much detail. He must have spent hours and hours. Just every little place you would look, there was some kind of little dry brush edging or something, or the figures that were on it had so much detail on them, and it was just a joy to look at that model and realize, hey, you painted that, right? It was really kind of interesting, too, to interact with the families, because you don't have to do that normally in a, right. in a tournament setting, right? And of course, you know, these are, are families who bring their young people to these things and want them to be successful and want them to learn the game. And, and enjoy themselves and, 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 yeah. and be good at the things that they do. They're yes. good, caring people who want these young people to have a great time. And so it was really interesting to interact with them and hear their feedback is like, you know, sometimes I know I need to just kind of step away, you know, because mm -hmm. they really wanted to help. It was just a different thing that you don't normally deal with and really really great they were all great people and i really am thankful that they made the effort to bring kids out to play the game so overall it was just a great day i am so glad you know a year ago you would ask me to to fill in and then encourage me to yeah to stay on make this work and very hopeful that next year we're going to have even more because i think almost everybody had said they were going to come back and we've got I had several people who have talked about bringing their kids next year. So I'm hopeful that this thing is going to grow. It was just a great day. Very, very enjoyable. And again, I thank Doug so much for teaming up with me because just a lot of different things that he did that I just didn't want to do. And I was glad that he <laughs> stepped up to do them, you know, putting in the scoring. So we had four awards that we gave out. We had best overall and one of our Storm class players Scarlet won that. And best general, Cami, who had the Maw Tribes army, she won that. And it was interesting. We were both commenting how this girl came to the table knowing exactly what to do with that Frost Lord. You point it and you push it. Yeah. It, it did exactly what she did. Every game, boom, it was out the gate. Pro strats. It was great, right? Very cool. And then Holden, who had the IDK army, he won best paint. And then one of the younger players, Gavin, won for most glorious player because we had something instead of battle tactics. We have moments of glory, much simpler mm -hmm. in terms of how you would achieve them. Right, it's not three sentences of no. pick this, if, <laughs> then, else, and, did or. You, kill, you killed the enemy general. Check. You charged a monster with a small hero. Check. It didn't matter if you lived or not. If, did you do it? Yeah, yeah boom. It, so that was really interesting for him. And it was actually a tie. So we gave Holden the paint and it really re wanted to reward his army for that. But yeah, overall, so very cool. Cool. Great, great, great time. Any final thoughts on Adepticon? Better than last year. Okay. <laughs> you know, that was the goal in terms of what we were running. It's exhausting. It's really stressful. 
yeah. I work in a field where it's very important for us to be right all the time. We have tough customers all the time. Mm -hmm. This is one of the most stressful things that I Are you happy with the fact that they flipped the order and they had the GT Yeah, it was and, done. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was, no, I'm just I'm done. Yeah. I mean, the order almost didn't matter. I was just as exhausted this Sunday as I was oh, sure. last Sunday. Okay. Where we did teams first and then champs. The difference was is that I had a little bit more to give to start Saturday because, you know, by the time we had finished up teams and we'd rolled into champs on Saturday, I was smoked. Right. I'd rather have less to no gas in the tank for a, an event that I'm playing in mm -hmm. than one that I'm running. running. Sure. I liked it being on Thursday, Friday. You know, it didn't make a difference from an attendance perspective. We still sold out. You know, there were still some drops, you know, leading up to the event. But, you know, we finished with 190... <laughs> Six players after That's... after drops, you know, we had some drops between four and five, and you know things like that. So, did you have a favorite moment or a favorite thing that happened during the four days that you can kind of lock on to? Favorite thing? It's so much of it was a blur. You know, I feel really bad because I didn't really have time for anybody. You know, I had two friends. You know, uh, one of my friends from work and his roommate were playing in Dawnbringer, and I had brought armies for him, and I checked in with them, and like I feel like I talked to them for a total of fifteen minutes while they were there. You know, there were people that were coming up to me and talking to me like, you know, Sean, one of the local TOs, you know, came down to help out and I'm in the middle of like a hurricane. I'm trying to talk to him and, and like, I'm trying to do this other stuff all at the same time. Really, I'm glad it's over. There's just so much that goes into all of it. Uh, okay. It's, it's exhausting. Okay. I'm thrilled, right, that we got the best showcase army, right? That's... That's really cool. Um, right. That's where the bar is now. Mm-hmm. I want to try and win, you know, overall at teams. I think we can do it. Like we fill out the paint category part for it so well, theme part of it so well. I'm sure if we won like another game and a half or mm. you know, got a little bit more out of the painting, I think we could have done it. Okay. It's there to get. I have a couple of things. First of all, I have to say one of my favorite moments on the weekend, but it was part of Youngbloods, was Luciana's sister Marina was playing her daughters. And I come over, you know, checking in. How you doing, Marina? It was the quote of the weekend. She looks up at me. She goes, Dan, I'm going to burn my dice. <laughs> it was just like it just stuck on my head like okay i'm gonna remember that because that was awesome she goes this is terrible uh it was just so funny anyway i think one of the things i might consider next year is dombringer i might sure. do that that one day sigmar thing one I've day already thousand points yep thought of a really fun list i'm not gonna go wanting to i'm gonna win two games i'm gonna win three games i'm gonna go best or whatever i just have a really cool list and I'll, I'll talk to you later about it. But just something that's going to be easy to put together and I can just drop it in and play that day. I think also that I might consider because of some of the misfires I had, maybe just coming down Friday through Sunday and, you know, doing Youngbloods on Sunday, Dawnbringer on Saturday, and then picking three things that I really want to do on Friday, you know? Because even if I played in Dawnbringer, I would still be done before I would need to play the pit on Saturday night if I did that again. I would also on Friday be able to probably get into Space Hulk, you know, if they have an opening. And there are a couple other things that I enjoyed enough that I know are scheduled on Friday. Well, you got to get into the private session of Space Hulk right. is what you got to do. Right. right? Exactly. You got to make that cut. So I think I might consider a three-day weekend. Anyway, that's it then. Yeah. Awesome. Done, as you say. It's done. All right, man. Exhausting. It's done. <laughs> Besides the fact that Brendan is exhausted, let's move on to the fact that we are going to talk about books and stuffs in Scriptorium. All right. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Scriptorium time, listeners, and we have a few new thingies. First thing we have is a story called Shadow Sun. Shadow Sun, the great warrior of the Tao, right up there with Farsight. She's got her own book and sounds like fun. If you're a Tao player or a Tao fan, sounds like it'll be a great one. We got a book called War Boss. This is 40K as well, where the War Boss is dead and they're like seven or eight other people vying for the position. So it sounds like a very awesome orky, orc foolishness book. It's always fun and entertaining. And then finally, we have a new Black Templars anthology called Crusaders of Dorne. It looks like there's maybe eight, eight or nine stories for Black Templars. So if you are a Templars fan, I'm sure that will be a good read or listen. And that's it for that stuff right now. How about you, Brendan? Succession season four started on Sunday. (laughs) So watch that. I thought episode one was pretty bad. Hopefully it gets better from here. Okay. I finished The End of the Death, so I finished it before you even started it. Yes. Awesome. Brendan, good job. Finally, me. man. I did Finally. It. I beat Dan <laughs> in the book reading contest. Well, you know what? This is like me beating you in a game of Sigmar. It doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen very often. We celebrate. <laughs> it's so cool. And you really enjoyed the story. Yeah, it was really cool. The way that it ended, I thought was great. They do a really good job of tying up some of the loose ends and... Mm. And bringing a lot of different things together. Did it add to the lore? I think so. Okay. That's important to me that that part of the story did. Okay. That's really cool. Excellent, man. Get into more, but there's some spoiler things to it. (laughs) No, no. Yeah, I don't. I've already heard a couple of rumors flying around that I'm hoping are actually true, but eh, I don't want to I'm looking forward to talking with you about it when you finish reading it. Absolutely. Yeah, but I am, well, when when you catch up to where I am. Yes, which is (laughs) done. Anything else? You've been pretty busy getting ready for exhaustion. Yeah. (laughs) That's for sure. All right, so I am still waiting for the Dead Tree version of End in the Death Volume 1. Hopefully every weekend when Saturday comes around noon, I go right to Black Library and I'm hopeful that they're going to show that I can buy the book. But what I did do is I started reading a Battletech novel trilogy about the clans. I've always liked the lore. I haven't liked the game, really, of Battletech. But the story is just fascinating to me. And I've always been really fascinated about how there was that schism where the clans broke off from the inner sphere and went and formed their own society. How they utilize eugenics to create their warriors for their mechs, which is so different. They're very, if you think about samurai tradition and that kind of thing, it's very similar in terms of their culture and that sort of thing. It's a very caste system you know in their society Mm -hmm. but it's just so different and unique so i'm starting to read a book which is one young person's experience as they go through being trained to be a mech pilot from just a raw recruit up to that's kind of where it is and then i'm going to start reading the trilogy because i've got the first book of that looking forward to that for my dead tree books until the other one gets here (laughs) i finished bad loon rising Oh, it's such an entertaining listen, man. It just It's just fun. <laughs> and when you see this little grot guy who was shoveling squig droppings become 
essentially a Loon King. It's really cool. And it's just cool because it's all the Git stuff that goes on. And how he used his magic and uh, just so cool. I highly encourage people to give it a listen. It's really cool. The other thing that I started listening to that I read many, many years ago is I'm listening to the Night Lords trilogy by Adam Aaron Densky Bowden. It's about a Night Lord named uh, Talos. And he is called the prophet because he is prescient. He's kind of a psyker, as it were. He's got kind of like what Nighthaunter he, had. Yeah, he's got, yeah, his father's curse, as it were. And actually, there's a lot of references to Kurs, and Talos actually had conversations with Kurs, which that doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. Really, really a cool perspective on the Night Lords. And one of the things of the Traitor Legions, besides the Alpha Legion, I think the Night Lords are really the only ones who didn't fully go over to Chaos. Because the Black Legion is fully braced Chaos in all its various forms. You know, all four of the Pantheons. The Night Lords have, some of them have gone over, but many have not. So you have these Night Lords who, you know they're kind of corn, but they're not really chaos. Mm -hmm. They haven't thrown themselves over. He's got another one in his claw, and the claws are like the squads. So first claw is the one Talos commands, has gone over to Slanesh, kind of. He's hearing the voices in his head. But there's a creature now who commands their flagship who is fully given over. He was a Night Lord's captain and he's just literally almost demon possessed. And Talos has to deal with this thing. And it just tires him out every time. He's like, I don't do chaos, man. Do you understand that? Right? Very cool stories. I'm into the second book now. Actually, Huron Blackheart is going to get involved now. Red Corsairs. Nice. And yeah, it's, it's really cool. They're going to be Eldar in the third book involved in some things really, really cool stories. I saw two movies. I saw 65, which was the movie with Adam Driver. It's sci-fi and it's kind of a survival sci-fi. It was really well done. I would recommend it to people. He basically, I'm not giving anything away. He crash lands on a planet, quote, and the only survivor is a young woman. And he and the young woman have to get to the part of the ship that was the survival pod that gets them back into space is like, I don't know, six miles away. It's like 10 kilometers away. And they're like, you know, at first you're going, 10K, man, I could walk that in three hours, right? Not so fast. There's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff in between. But yeah. And it just doesn't stop. Once you start, you're going, what else is happening? It just, it's almost exhausting watching it, but it's really well done. The thing that's interesting is that this young woman that he is trying to you know take with him he can't speak the same language as her because mm. they're from some other planet and he has a daughter that's almost the same age as her so he's got this kind of you know fatherly drive to save her you know almost as though it's his daughter but really really good and then we had a watch party me and six of the guys went out uh, my two boys and four of their friends we all went out to see John Wick 4 last night it was really good <laughs> It was just really well done. It got closure to the story, which was exactly what I wanted. Did they resurrect the dog? There is a dog. And the dog is very cool. All right. (laughs) But actually, it's not the dog that you're thinking of. Well, what's the point? Well, it's one of those uh, Belgian, what were they? Malinois. You know, when Halle Berry was in the second, I think it was, movie, and she had those two Belgian Malinois with her? They're like German Shepherd kind of looking dogs. Yeah, this guy in this one, one of the guys has a Belgian Malinois with him and the dog does some pretty cool stuff. Excellent movie. Just 
we had a blast. We were in the top row and we were just carrying on like fools and it, it was fun. <laughs> just the comments that you could hear from them as I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. So that's it for Scriptorium, my friend. All right. Let us move on to question time, yeah? Yeah. Brendan, it is this or that five by five time, man. All of you start. Okay. Let's do a couple of Sigmar questions. Okay. So if you had to face off in a thousand point tournament against mm-hmm. somebody, would you prefer to be facing off against a turtle, a frost lord, or three dragons? Ooh. Um, because all of those were represented in Youngbloods. I'd say give me the turtle. Okay. I was shocked at how much brutalizing that turtle did to people. And a couple of them were like, it's got what kind of save? It's got a two-up save. What? And they were just shocked. Like, I can't hurt it. It was really funny. Anyway, okay, cool. Turtle it is. So what is your favorite Akon food? You mentioned a dessert that you oh, like a lot. Man. But other than that, what would you say is your favorite just regular food? Is not it like the, the rest? Oh, so like the convention A concession food. food. So I never had it before this year because oh. they'd always looked like real middle of the road okay the wings are actually pretty okay all right okay i saw people with some plates yeah they've, no these aren't chicken strips they're wings they're wings, wings. Yeah. okay the strips are pretty bland like the wings are pretty good and the turkey bacon wrap okay is also pretty good all right we'll go with those yeah two. the wrap is a little expensive at ten dollars though so Oof. but i'm a volunteer so i had um oh vouchers you had a voucher I had vouchers yeah. but okay yeah even then vouchers only good for so much like okay now i know the answer to this question I mean, maybe i don't I'm, I'm being presumptive here if you had to run the akon gt or bruce city mm. Which would you rather run if you had a choice between those oh, two it's, things? It's Bruce City by mm. a country mile. Okay. It's not close. Okay. Akon is a nightmare. There's so many things you have to deal with on the front end. There's so many things you have to deal with on the back end. You get such a wide range of players mm. at Adepticon who want so many different things, and you have to try and make an event that makes as many of them happy as possible. With Bruce City, it's the complete opposite, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very niche event where people who want to be there for that specific reason are there. Oh, yeah. Right? Absolutely. They understand the assignment, right? Yeah. Is, I think <laughs> sure. the, the best way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Trying to run an event that matches the expectation for the person that's on table 83, the person that's on table three, right. is tough to do. Right. Right. But if you've gotten, like, even if it was a 200 person event, if I'm going, it's a big event, the actual award that I care about is like, did you play with a really weird army and do well? Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of thing. You know, something that I was talking about with some of the other Acon organizers is, Running Bruce City Brawl is very difficult to do, right? The venue costs that I've looked into are so much right. higher. It's a lot of personal capital, right, that I have to expend to try and get where it needs to go. Or I could partner with Adepticon and run a 3,000-point tournament that's, you know, one day kind of like what Dawnbringer mm-hmm. is, right? You know, I can, you know, I, Friday I run, you know, the 3,000 points, and on, you know, on Saturday they run the 1,000 points event. Sure. Like, yeah, like that would be cool. Okay. Um, yeah, Bruce City Brawl all the way. Okay. Running an event like that is, is ridiculous. The time commitment that's involved, the other things you got to do, the meetings that lead up to it, all the logistics that go into it, it's the word you've heard a lot from me is exhausting. Yes. I'm tired. Okay. We're two days removed from Adepticon. Yes. I'm smoked. Okay. So would you prefer, and this is with no snow, a very <laughs> cold winter or a very hot summer? How cold is very cold? Very cold. Arctic cold like Wisconsin. Or very hot, like very humid and Ugh. 
cold like in single digits you oh know? It, that's not very cold yeah i'll take that okay sign me up all right we do that every year okay yeah okay do that every year and we're good for like three or four days that are negative 40 <laughs> sign me up so would you prefer in the final four okay of the NCAA tournament for San Diego State Aztecs to win or Florida Atlantic University to win? I'll take the Aztecs. I really like their football team. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so, and from the basketball perspective, like their team plays a very unique brand of basketball. Mm-hmm. And I'd be lying to you to say that I'd watch any SDSU games before the tournament. Sure. I have right. not. But watching them in the tournament, you're like, oh, like this is really solid team basketball. Mm-hmm. They play really solid team defense. They like they have a really solid offensive scheme. They seem like a really good team. Okay. Not saying that FAU isn't, but Okay, that's my five. Okay. I'll start with the basketball question. Oh, okay. Who's gonna win out of our final four? You have Miami, Texas, FAU, and SDSU. Who's gonna win this, Dan? I would like to see the Aztecs win. Yeah, the fact that they knocked Alabama out was just so cool. Uh, that was great, you know. And it wasn't by a small amount. No, they, no, they, they beat them. They pushed them out, yeah. So I would like to see them win, for okay. sure. What was your favorite non-TO, non-PIT part of Akon? I would so, say... So really, I guess, what was third place? Yeah, <laughs> I would say learning and playing that aerodrome game that i played on thursday night it was just very enjoyable and the people i played against were really cool and always neat to meet the creator that's not you know some massive company that they're trying to make it work and that it's being successful and they've been creative and yeah it's just really cool and to talk to them about how they do it that what they want it to be ask them specific questions that's always a really neat experience to me now over to the Akon part of our of question course. asking, right, the actual, what was the best part of being, you've earned your tournament organizer badge now. What was the best part of being a tournament organizer, right? Because you ran this from start to finish, right? This wasn't mm-hmm. just a, hey, I showed up to volunteer. No, no. Hey, Dan, can you, you know, help help these young folks play some more hammer? This, right. this was your event. I think seeing how much the families and the the players, you know, the kids themselves enjoyed that day and how unique an experience it was for all of them i just enjoyed sitting back and watching that happen and watching them learn the whole thing of you know in something like this the best way to learn is to do i saw that literally happening during the day and again at the end seeing everybody happy they'd come and feeling it was worth their time it made it feel like my effort was worth the time so that would be it for me on the flip side what was the most unexpected challenge of being a tournament organizer I think for this one was trying to put together a pack that would be something that would be appropriate for a group of young people. And, and not, not extremely litigious pack <laughs> is an age appropriate for 10 to 16 year olds. <laughs> right. You know, simplifying the game to the point where it was still Sigmar. The fortunate part about that challenge is that I had resources. And you want these kids to learn the basics, but still have a good time playing Sigmar. So that was my biggest challenge, I think. If you were to participate in Adepticon teams, Dan, Mm. what army would you play and who would your other three teammates be? Oh, there are not a whole lot of other armies that I want to play. I don't have an interest. All right. You know, like, Uh, you know, part of it is like, right, the the theme, you know, like the, uh, like, would you want to? I think I would like, I think I would like to play My Night Haunt. I think I'd like to put together a really punchy, cool, thematic to Night Haunt list and, you know, play with 
other death. Okay. But I don't know who that would be. I can't, that, unfortunately, I can't answer that part of the question because I don't know enough other players who I think would be interested in something like that, you know, other than, hey, Brendan, you want to play your Bone Reapers? But otherwise, I'm not really sure who that would be. But I think death would be the faction I'm most interested in using my Night Hunt. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. it. Those that's all oh, your questions. Five. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. All right. It is show close time, my friend. It is show close time. Sunday announcements. We have none because it's, it's not Sunday. <laughs> now, a Q&A. Do you have a Q&A for me? I do. And it's not the one that you put in the notes for okay, me. Okay, okay. So a listener came up to me during Adepticon, and I'm very sorry, listener. Please don't take it personally. I don't remember their name. Oh, okay. But they asked me, how did Dan pick out, like, the sounders in the show? Like, you have the sound effects leading into each of the mm, segments. Mm-hmm. What was the decision-making process behind the ones that you picked? I just wanted to make them kind of appropriate for that particular segment of the show. You know, like the opening, I just thought that that... It's from the first Batman, for those who don't know. I didn't know. Yeah, it's from the first Batman movie. And just that quote, like, gentlemen, let's learn something or let's learn something new. I thought, oh, perfect for the opening of a podcast, right? Or when that second soundbite is from A Princess Bride, the one character whispers that all the time. My name is Neo Montoya. You killed my... And it just like, it's whispers. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Or scriptorium. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Perfect. So everything I was hoping would match that part of the show. That's how I figured them all out. And I found a website that had all those things because it had all these sound clips from different movies. So I went to that particular movie and said, oh, does that seem to be appropriate? So Cool. Okay. That's Sorry, the answer. listener, that asked me. I don't remember your name, but you got your answer. <laughs> okay. I don't have any Q&A this time. Okay. Usually I do. Episode 119, my friend. Mm-hmm. Are we going corn or slanesh? My vote's corn. Let's go get Dave. La, my vote is corn. Let's go get Dave. Yeah, I'm with you there. That's 2-0. and oh. We're doing it. And I think Dave would love to be on the show. I talked to him at Adepticon, and he was like, yeah, let's do that. Okay. Awesome. Dave, you got to be on the show next time because we know you're listening. <laughs> so that'll be awesome, cool. And then and catch me on Combat Phase Podcast yep. with Kenny Lull whenever yep. we record for the Bone Reaper episode. Yep. That'll be cool, yo. Yeah. I imagine that episode will come out before we actually get to Bone Reapers. I think so. We've got Corn, we've got Slanesh, we'll have a Rubicon recap, and then I think Bone Reapers and Soul Blight should be out by then. Hopefully. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, because that's pushing. And then we're going to have to do, like, rock, paper, scissors to see which one of those we do first. We'll go back to basics. (laughs) We'll do two book reviews simultaneously. (laughs) It'll be an eight-hour show. Oh, God, when we did that before with two codexes, that was just insanity. It wasn't just two codexes, Dan. It was... Really? It was an AOS battle tome. And? And it was a 40K codex. Okay, it was that. That's what it was. That was insanity. Yeah. We learned. (laughs) It's good. Go listen to that episode. (laughs) And you'll understand that we learned, yeah. Okay, Coolio. Brendan, thank you, man, for as exhausted as you are coming out today and... I just want to keep sleeping. That's I know I you do, do, man. And we'll get you back to the house and get you resting. So thank you for that. And listeners, as always, thank you for coming along for the ride. We really love having you there. It was so great at Adepticon seeing so many people who, you know, we've met really through the show in a lot of ways. You know, they'll see us and they tell us they listen and 
we just love that. And love we, hearing about your favorite parts of the show. Oh, right? yeah. Travis Winter, every time I run into him, tells me that his favorite part is Scriptorium. And, <laughs> it's you know, so like, what's Dan reading? What podcast is Brendan into right now? Yeah. And, like, he goes, awesome. And he tells me every time, he goes, you know, he goes, I always give it a try, but it's always something interesting. Right? That's really and cool. It's fun to meet folks like that, right? It, as stressful and crazy as Adepticon is, right? It's important that we have events like that that are good times for so many people where it's a mm. large celebration you know, of the hobby as a whole. And I think, you know, we talked about what were my favorite moments or whatever. Then one of the things cumulatively between Thursday morning when I got there and Sunday when I left was all the people I haven't seen for a while, mm-hmm. that people who were totally unexpected. I never, ever expected to see them at Adepticon. It's just such a joy to see people and just have a few minutes to chat with them. I ran into one of my high school classmates. Oh, actually. that's insane. And he comes over to me and he goes, he goes, Brennan, I go, yeah, man. He's And he introduces us. No, no, I, I remember who you are. Like, this isn't. It's <laughs> so cool. He goes, how long have you been doing this? Man, since I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> Since you were in high school with me, yeah. yeah. Before that. Before that. Yeah. And, you know, so we cool. gush about nerd things and yeah. Wonderful. It's, it's a fun time. It's really cool. I'm glad so many of you really enjoyed themselves. Yes. You know, I hope we can continue to do things, you know, better next year and mm-hmm. continue to improve, continue to improve and Yeah. Yeah. And you will, I'm sure. I'm confident of that. You know that. me. Status yep. quo Brendan. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> not competitive at all, which is no. yeah, one of the things people love about him. Sure. Uh, not. Okay. <laughs> With that, you all take care, stay safe, and don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you are up to something. Bye. This is the end.